Marine Fire, two rack of lamb, one red snapper. Yes, Chef. Yes, Chef. Right, and here we are at Beyond the Past podcast, the very good, first good. episode. Yeah, yeah. I'm here with my buddy Nathan Hogan, uh, monster in the culinary industry. Can oh, we wow. say that? Mm, I'm, maybe used to be, but thanks for that. I'm Kyle McClure. I'm the chef here at Beautiful Vantage Venues, where we're shooting this podcast from. Um, yeah, and we're just sort of really wanting to start off with the, I think, a nice industry podcast, right? Yeah. Something that we can we can dive into for people that are interest, interested interested in the restaurant industry that are in the restaurant industry and sort of uh, just bring on guests, bring on people that, you know, maybe you wouldn't think of right offhand. You'd think that maybe it would just be chefs or just be sommeliers or just be um, these upfront positions in the industry, which we will have some of those people on. But I think we're going to try to like, like you said, uh, before we came on grassroots, some interesting stories, some interesting uh, industry stories. Absolutely. Like, I mean, all angles, right? We're not going to bring mega stars here. We're not going to bring Michelin star chefs here. We're going to bring people in to, to cover all angles, right? From, like you said, Somalis, people who are just starting fresh, people who are going to be tackling the industry after the smoke clears. I think we need to touch on all angles. And, um, yeah, I think just at first we'll get to know each other. I mean, we obviously know each other quite well, but... Uh, you know, the questions that I've comprised as well as yours. I mean, uh, I, I think I know you and you probably feel the same way. But until the, the smoke clears, we won't, uh, we won't really know until, uh, until the questions are asked. So I'm excited to be here, first of all. And um, beautiful venue you guys have here. And uh, yeah, let's get at it. Well, it should be a lot of fun. And like, like I said, we want to uh, interview some interesting people, people that we find are going to be interesting for our listeners. I think me and you are interesting, right? I think we got good stories. I think so, yeah. So yeah. I think the the spiel today is, is we're just going to interview each other, yep. get our interview chops down, yep, um, and sort of go from there. And then we'll from every episode on out, we'll have some interesting guests. But today, you guys are stuck with me and uh, Nathan's interesting stories, which I think is a good thing. We'll uh, we'll make it interesting, that's for sure. I think so, right? And yeah. this it's all supposed to be fun, right? Like two buddies talking, and hopefully we can. Uh, we can get you guys interested in some of the stuff we're talking about. So, um, uh, you've you've sort of had a, a little bit of a you were a, a competitive basketball player, right? Yeah. In high school, extremely competitive, and in college as well. Yeah. Um, so, uh, starting off with that, did that sort of lead into a bit of a slower start into the restaurant industry? Did you start? Absolutely later? no. Um, it did slow me down a bit. Well, actually. Let's flip back. We're going to double sort of sword question there. So I was been in the food industry since I was 14. Movie theaters, Tim Hortons. So this multitasking, being in the weeds, so to speak, it happens at Hortons. It happens at the movie theater, right? Yeah. So I had that locked in from 14 to 19. That was my world. I didn't know that it would benefit me. I just wanted money to buy sneakers and uh, do what I wanted to do in high school. So, yeah, coming out of high school, I had no career focus at all. Um, so I went to Sheridan College to play basketball. I said I majored in basket weaving, but I took general arts and science. Um, did uh, my two years there. And then after my second year, I'm like, okay, I wanted to play basketball. That was my only goal. But I'm like, I, needed a, I need a backup plan. So my friend, um, Dean Otto from, from Peterborough, he went to Algonquin College, 
took culinary management there. Graduated, got a job right out of school, going to Banff, 20 bucks an hour. And we're talking like mid to early 90s, making 20 bones an hour. So I'm like, dude, I'm going to get into cooking. I'm going to be a millionaire, right? Of course, because that's what we all are, Well, life skills, right? So again, did I ever think I was going to cook for the rest of my life at that point? Absolutely not. I thought I was okay in the kitchen, Italian background, grandma, great cook, mom, great cook. So I thought, yeah, you know what? Let me go to Algonquin College, which had a great basketball program, and uh, learn how to cook. So go there, talk to coach. Hey, I want to go. I want to play basketball overseas, blah, blah, blah. For sure. I send guys over to Belgium, UK, Philippines. We'll make it happen. So after my first year, I started really enjoying cooking. Like I started to get confident. Gong show, like to start with. Like absolute gong show. Maybe I'll go back to a story there. Um, Really awful in the kitchen, not confident. And then as time progressed and after my first year, I was getting offered jobs and things were starting to fall into place. So I started really feeling it. Then second year, same thing, followed more and more and more. And then uh, my coach says to me after the season finished, and he's like, okay, well, here's your options. What do you want to do? Where do you want to go? Nothing was etched in stone. Belgium, Philippines, England, and Manchester. The Manchester Monsters were actually the only one that I was comfortable with that I could make the squad. And Hey, come to the Philippines, and maybe we'll give you a, a gig, right? I wasn't going to do that. So... Soul searching, I looked my coach in my eye, said, listen, coach, I, I'm not going to pursue this basketball thing. I'm going to move back to Teal and learn how to cook. And he was sort of looked at me proud and confused at the same time. And he's like, yeah, dude. He's like, wow, okay, go ahead, you know. And he thought I was going to be that this guy chasing basketball with no backup plan. So backed into basketball dream and uh, headed to T.O. Worked in Ottawa for a little bit. So I basically had two years experience before I moved to T.O. So 97 is when I really legitimately started cooking. So, um, when did you know though? Like when, like, cause cooking is cooking and working in the restaurant industry is working in the restaurant and that's great and that's fun. The, the best times of my life were, do, were doing that. But when did you know that it was like, you know what, like now, like I want to be a chef. Like this is for me. This is what I'm, I'm going to do. Like I'm going full on. Did you know that right away or did it take some time? God, no. Oh my God. You know, um, my first gig in Toronto, Millie's Bistro, 97, um, really tough gnarly environment the same crew worked together the owner the chef de cuisine sous chef they all worked together for like 15 years so walking in there not knowing much it was all fresh out of minute beautiful food and the owner chef uh it was his first restaurant he owned with his own money so you can see the intensity levels building on each other and uh you know i walked in there and just just the the intensity of it was just bonkers, and, and I was really, really anxious. Like every day, even during the training, I was anxious. I'm like, "What the hell am I doing?" And uh, you know, we had a squad of about ten people to start. After training, there was two of us left. <laughs> That's what it is, though, right? I think a lot of people don't realize, especially uh, newer people coming up. That back in the day, man, it was cutthroat and. Uh, you thought that maybe you'd be chummy or buddies with the guy next to you, but that a lot of the time those guys are looking out for themselves, uh, girls looking out for themselves, because it is such a cutthroat mm -hmm. uh, environment, especially on your way up, right? Yeah. So I had many a days soul searching, going home, looking in the mirror. I remember once uh, it was an open kitchen concept, and uh, you know I was working guard and desserts, and it was just bonkers. And uh, I, th I just 
did this almond cake, just dashed a handful full of blueberries on the plate and sent it out. And then Gary, my mentor, a guy I look up to, but an absolute animal back then, he got me into my current gig, comes into this open kitchen, full house, throws the plate on my station. What is screaming? What is that? And I was like, meanwhile, the bills are going on. I'm getting my second round of tapas and trying to get these desserts out. What is that? What is that? And I had to like, I'm like, what, what is it? What is it? And he's like, look at that blueberry. He points to one blueberry. He's like, that's off. That's, bull-, you know, swearing, beep, 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 expletive. And after that, I went home because I was borderline wanting to hurt the guy. I'd never, I didn't expect this yeah. in front of everybody. Like the chef's table was full in front of us, yeah. center stage. So I went home, looked in the mirror. I'm like, what am I doing? I could be playing hoop somewhere. I called my friend at Rogers. Um, hey, give me a gig, man. I can't do this shit anymore. I'm going to focus and try to get back overseas. Give me a gig at Rogers until then. Woke up in the morning, of course. We don't give up. That's what I tell my students. That's what I tell people over the years. You don't give up on stuff. So just licked my wounds and went back the other day and the next day and things started to get better. And then after I did over three years there, about the year and a half mark, they had confidence in me and they put their aggression towards other people. So around the, around the time <laughs> the confidence was there, is that when you were sort of like, yeah, I think this is, what, this is for me? No, I think. no. And it took me to actually leave Millie's and go to another place to realize how much I learned and how much I value those experiences and how much I appreciated in a weird way the tough love that they were giving me and I knew they all cared when I left I didn't think they gave a shit about me when I was there that's just how I felt but then after I left I, I all the light bulbs just started going off after the years that's nice right it feels good right it did feel good and then so after that point so then I get to milestones my first sous chef job first milestones ever in Canada and um I just started seeing all the great things that my previous job uh, prepared me for, my first sous chef job. And then so I think I was driving, a, you know, I was a sous chef on Milestones, but after three weeks, the head chef had left to open up another Milestones. He's like, here, by the way, <laughs> this is your show. 25 cooks, three weeks as a sous chef. Oh, man. Doing seven, 800 covers a night on John Street there. Um, so that's into the fire, right? Like, like exactly. No, no other way to sugarcoat it. And, uh, I would getting through it and I just started growing more confident. And if I could, I knew I could kind of cook, I was getting confident with my cooking, but after I could lead a brigade of 16 year old Park Hill, Park, Parks, Parkdale, Parkdale, 16 year old Parkdale, massive and seven year old, Richmond Hill, Scarborough dudes. If I commanded that squad, I, I figured like, okay, there's, I've got something going here. So then I'm like, okay, I can do that. I've got to refine my cooking. And uh, so there was an epiphany where we were doing massive numbers and it was really silky smooth after the first few months. I'm like, yeah, you know what? I got to become a better cook. But if I can run this squad, you know, check that off the list. And I learned a lot about numbers and other things there. So I think it was a good six months in the milestones that... Um, that this is, yeah, that I'm built for this. I really felt that way. That's interesting because, um, and this isn't designed to be a fluff session at all. But, no. Um, when I uh, first started working with you, you were my sous chef. That's mm-hmm. how we met. Mm. And I was like 23 or 24, I think. Um, and I think the very first thing that I did take from you, uh, you that I learned was I liked the management style. Mm-hmm. I liked that, I mean, you could sit around and talk hoops, talk music, whatever it is. Be chummy. The shit in general. Just whatever. Yeah. And then when it was time to go, it was time to go. And it was like, all you had to do is give a look 
or say something and it was firm without being a without being an asshole yeah but also it was like he said it like he means it like, yeah and you and so that probably comes from that that milestones of having to do it with so many people and having to do it so quickly yeah because i i have found over the years that one of the hardest parts of being a chef is managing people right it's yeah. it's something that even to this day i still have to learn and it's the thing that i've had to learn the most from and it definitely stings the most when you're not doing it properly, right? Yep. So you know it though. You know it better than anybody when you've made, you've had a management mishap. And um, I, I, I had I had a moment today at school where all these exam work plans were due, and they were like, I gave them a sample. This is all you have to do. Just put your food in there and submit it, and you'll get a hundred percent. Well, it was garbage. And I said, Listen, guys, I had to lay it out to the class. I said, Listen, yes, you have to be a good cook. But there's a lot more to becoming a great chef than being a good cook. So if you neglect this component of it, it's going to come back to bite you in the ass now, right? That's so right. they all kind of like, again, the light bulbs. And uh, I think I got my point across. But uh, you're right. You know, it's just being a cook, being a chef, being a, the lead guy. It goes far beyond cooking. Obviously, that's the foundation. But, yeah, it's, uh, it's growing day to day. You're, you know, you learn every day. I learn every day. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's sure. the way it is. Um, so... Once you've become a chef um, and you're doing that whole thing, um, what type of chef do you think, like, style-wise you developed into, like, um, I mean, like, culinary-wise, like, the type of food that you lean towards, the type of food that you enjoy doing personally, um, what, what is that that you like doing? Like, So we're talking about to this day or when I first started? I'm talking to this day. Okay, like, so you- that's a good, that's, so again, I started out, like we all did, French cooking, technique, 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 coming out of school. And then I kind of dilly-dallied to pub, uh, crepery. And then I got into Millie's, which was sort of Mediterranean, Middle Eastern vibe. So, you know, just that's where I started. So I still didn't have any identity at that point. I knew how to cook fresh food. I knew that sort of component, Mediterranean, Moroccan, North African, all these things. Then milestones, of course, where I didn't develop any sort of food identity at all. It honed a lot of skills that I needed. And then I got to uh, Magna Golf Club, and I just was intrigued. I've always been intrigued with uh, Asian culture. I grew up in Calgary. My whole, um, my whole neighborhood was Chinese, Vietnamese, so I was kind of just in it, and uh, I was fascinated by it. And then I went to Thailand for my first job, our uh, first travel in 01, and then I fell in love with the cuisine, the culture. So I'm like, I want to go and work there, right? So I'm like, okay, well, I need to become more sound. Then I fell in love with Japanese food, obsessed with Iron Chef Japan, you know. So it was this sort of mismatch where I, I started to just focus on, okay, at this point, Asian food, fine dining. You know, we all hit that step where it's like, oh, fine dining is the epitome of existence, right? Everybody who wants to be a head chef is, is considered it or pursued it obsessively. And so uh, I would just say that uh, coming full circle now, I'm still uh, Asian cuisine, you know, working overseas for as long as I did. And obviously my wife is from there. My daughter has that in her blood. So that's forever uh, instilled in me. So I would say simplistic Asian-influenced cuisine. Uh, Although I did have a, I owned a restaurant for a year and it was sort of tapas, Spanish food. So again, simple. I've come full circle, and I think the uh, the more simple the food is, the better. 
let the flavors do the talking, keep the moves to a minimum. And uh, so, yeah, I would just say simple Asian-influenced cuisine with uh, Spanish is sort of floating around in there somewhere. I'm still really passionate about that food as well. So I think you sort of already answered this question for the earlier on, uh, like earlier on stage of your career. But like uh, cooking-wise, cooking style-wise, or even management-wise, was there a chef that you looked up to when you were younger? And is that changed over time? Is there somebody that you look to now that's more of the person that's sort of like that guiding light or that person that you try to hold yourself to that standard? Well, let's talk about, so industry, like people that I've worked with. I mean, it could be anybody. It doesn't have to. No, no, let's, let's just stick to this people I've worked with. Uh, one guy who was, we were hired um, at Mill East together after everyone had bailed out or got fired. It was just me and this guy, Tri, Tri Trung Tran, is a dear friend of mine. He has a, a beautiful restaurant in Mississauga now called Phu Nok Yen. I always looked up to him because uh, he had been in the business a couple years longer than I had. Uh, skill through the roof, composure, zen. So I always admired him how he was such a technician, um, but really calm, cool, and collected no matter how hostile it got at Millie's. And believe me, it was every night a new um, conflict, something. So I, I did admire him. Uh, I also admired another guy, Paul Leader, who's sort of fallen out of the industry. You know, the industry takes casualties all the time. But this guy in his prime took me under his wing and showed me refined cooking. And uh, uh, he was a special cook to this day. Uh, he's one of the best cooks I've ever seen. Uh, Michelin guys, I've seen them all, and he's still right there in his prime. So those are the two guys um, that I admired for the cooking ability. Um, good human beings, too. I don't, I don't really would admire somebody who's, who's not a good person because yeah. those people... Uh, show the true colors when things get gnarly in the kitchen. So that's uh, that's a big part of my admiration is uh, you're a hell of a cook, but you're a good dude deep down. Yeah, it's important, right? Yeah. Um, so I guess it wasn't really addressed. You've sort of mentioned it a little bit. Uh, you're a culinary professor at George Brown right mm -hmm. now. So let's just say for bad or for good, it, that just went away. Right now, today, Nathan Hogan. <laughs> Nathan Hogan is no I'm longer... Have a hard, I'm getting anxious just thinking about that. <laughs> Nathan Hogan is no longer a, a culinary professor at George Brown. Yep. What's the dream job? Like, what's the move? Like, what well, is what, I've what, tabled, you know, I've been very goal-oriented and just obsessive sometimes where I'd have to have this five-year plan and I had to learn to adjust as we all had. Uh, so I've been really always been laid out like sous chef in five years, this, 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 and... You know, I, I chopped most of things off the list. So the dream job, I don't know. What I would do is open like a 20-seat ramen joint and just ride that into the sunset. And I, I knew that was going to be your answer. It is, I because it. I haven't, like, that's the one thing, you know, I've worked in the fine dining. Uh, I own my own restaurant. I, you know, had Michelin experience uh, for free, obviously. Um and yeah, that would be, I, I, I wouldn't want to do any, I wouldn't want to go anywhere else than that, right? Just be me and a couple of good-hearted kids banging out noodles, small shop, be the best ramen, you know, I'm, I'm a competitive guy as, as well as you are. So, you know, if I were to open my ramen shop, I'd be out to take everybody out and want to be the best ramen shop uh, in town and around. So I would just obsess about that. So yeah, small little joint. Lord knows where, that's uh, 
that's where it would be for sure. So you you already knew where I was going with that. Yeah, I, I like the answer though, so I knew I was going to ask the question. Yeah, no, it's a great answer. Great, I mean, great question. So now that you've been been a chef for so long mm-hmm. um, and a chef professor, so like you're basically just you're guiding the, like the youth of the industry. That, that is your job. Mm-hmm. Um, what is the thing that you would tell a young and up and coming cook, like like real fresh to the industry, doesn't doesn't know what to expect, doesn't know what to think, but like I mean, like your elevator pitch, like just like okay, quick elevator. Well, pitch. Well, uh, I mean, I get asked this. I I, I know I, I have one on ones with students. I have intros to students. I've got my same old stuff. I do discovery days, promotional days. Simple. You have two type of cooks. You've got cook A, who's a phenomenal cook. He's got all the skill. He's got all the confidence. But, you know, questionable on loyalty, questionable on... And then you've got cook B, who isn't a great cook, but who tries and comes early and leaves late and listens. And it's just that team player. And I always say, you know what? I fired a lot of cook A's in my life, which I have. And it hurt the team. It hurt the team short term. But long term, um, keeping that cohesive unit, uh, it's worth it. My team respected me for it. You're not going to keep a virus around in any environment, any team, basketball, kitchen, wherever the hell ever. So I said, you know what? If I have the choice between cook A and cook kitchens with cook B's all day long, because I was cook B. I was not a super skilled kid coming out of school. But it was fun to be around, you know, a team player. And uh, I just tried. And I listened. And people invest time in me because they wanted to. No one wants to invest time in Cook A. So ever. That, so that's the elevator pitch, right? Is if you're fresh into the industry, have a good attitude yeah. and be a good person yeah. and everything else will fall into place. Absolutely. And I, can't, and I can't say how many times it's been here at Vantage Venues, the amount of hiring and turnover and people leaving, um, how many interviews I've said to people, the number one thing that I need from you is to be a good person. I can teach you how to cook. Yep. I can't teach you how to not be a piece of shit. Yep. And I mean, sorry for the explicitives, but like that's that's the that's the interview for me. Yeah. And my interviews over the years have gotten shorter and shorter mm-hmm. because that is almost really all I care about. Yeah. Obviously, for different positions, the interviews change, but my, I'm looking for good people. So that's exactly that's my pitch. You want people that are good people. Yeah, cook A and cook B, man, and that's it's, it's, it's simple. And all the students they get it, and even the ones like sometimes uh, I, I I tell that story and I see that cook A that I've had before, and I'm peering them right in her or his or her eye while I'm telling the story. And I said I fired a lot of cook A's, and they're the ones who never last in the industry. And I'm I'm literally making ten second ten second eye contact out of a group of twenty four, and then you can see them. Hey, can I do your dishes for you? Hey, because they're always done because they can cook their butts off. Sure. Right? But then they're, then, sure. it, then they get it, right? And uh, that's part of teaching is like, yeah, I can show you how to do a, a roux, but I would like to show you other things that will be successful long, long term. Sure. Yeah. Um, so um, one thing that I found, and especially uh, like when we're, when we're really busy here um, and at the other places that we have uh, through Vantage Venues, Sometimes I'm just driving into work and it's like, it's daunting some days, right? Like you set your alarm and you wake up at five o'clock in the morning and you're already in the weeds because <laughs> you're already behind and you haven't even gotten out of bed yet. Yeah. And I'm driving into work and I'm thinking to myself, man, what I wouldn't give to be a cook 
or like just for a couple days, just like give me back. So my question is, what do you miss the most about being an up and coming cook? Like what is the thing that you miss the most about that time? I mean, just chopping away again, I always had sections of my career mapped out and just like check, checking those, those goals off, you know, whether That's it's a, a one day goal, whether it's a weekly goal, whether it's moving out of a station and getting to the next one, um, you should always have your eye on that sort of next move. So I really got off. I'm really miss. And again, I still, as a teacher, uh, I still have a lot of work to do, you know, um, so I miss the buzz of getting that, that pat on the shoulder, you know, because you don't get, when I came up, the uh, people that I worked under, they, they didn't throw compliments around very often. So I miss uh, getting those compliments. I miss getting moved up the ladder without compliments. Getting promoted is the ultimate compliment. Yeah, so sure. I, I miss those moments. I really miss the, um, you know, banging out a Christmas, a New Year's Eve, a Valentine's Day where you just crush it and every, all the parts were in sync and, it, and you know, I don't miss the anxiety leading up to, leading up to a, a Valentine's day with, with two seatings or a, a new year or a new year's Eve, five hour service, you know, leading up to it and during it. There is something about those services, right? When you're, you're in the middle of a summer winter licious or just a busy Friday or Saturday night at the Rosewater. I know we both worked there. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're in the middle of just getting slaughtered, yeah. Um, and you can, and because you're so used to it, yeah, you can just stop and look around, and you're just like, there's not a lot of people that can do this, no, right? Yeah. And like, I'm sure lots of people can say that about whatever field and whatever job they're in, but it's still, it's still a cool feeling. It's still this fulfilling feeling that it's like you, there isn't very many people when you walk down the street that you can just throw into that situation. That, and yeah, yeah. So it's yeah, it's, a little self reflection, right? Yeah. Self reflection, uh, acknowledging your accomplishments. Um, but yeah, I'd say like I miss the end. I miss the camaraderie. You know, like sitting around with your your team and writing a menu and then executing it and getting the feedback and killing menus and, and growing, seeing people grow in front of you. I mean, I do see the growth. I, I see it after the fact. You know, I always have like a bittersweet moment uh, at school where, you know, it's fourth semester, kids are leaving and I've had a couple of them and I see them grow and, and they just leave and it's like, you feel like your kids are going away to college like every semester. And, I mean, it's obviously it's not that level, but you get sentimental about it and the students sure. leave and you just be like, oh, you know, I'm going to miss these guys. But then you see them grow. Hey, chef, uh, I'm running a restaurant. You get your butt in here. And I said, well, as long as I'm not paying, LOL, right? And, yeah, yeah. And then, then it's just like, your just heart is just like filled with awesomeness. So, um, uh, so I guess that compensates for, you know, crushing a service and having a beer and pumping your fist and, and enjoying the moment with your team. So, uh, it's sort of a different version of it, but I do, I just miss the camaraderie and, and, and knocking out your, your goals as an individual and as a team as well. Yeah. One, just going back to one of the things you said, um, sitting in the office with your team, writing menus, it's one very fond memory I have from when me and you first met was uh, I was lucky enough to uh, to get sit in that office with you and our friend Brian, mm -hmm. um, and I was still pretty young and banging out those menus. It was something I never had a chance to do before. Yeah. Um, and man, the learning experience yeah. and seeing the process from you and Brian yeah. um, and adapting that into into what I do, like mm -hmm. 
really, really great. That, so I'm glad you mentioned that. that yeah, really and then, then you just keep continue to build that culture here. I mean, you've been here for a long time. You've built a definite winner here. And, and I'm sure, you know, your nucleus has been here a long time. So, you know, you establish that, you know, let your team grow, right? And yeah. let them fall on their face and, them, and learn like, from Let me that. fall on my face too. There yeah. you go. I mean, that's, 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 uh, that's what we do. Um, so once pandemic is over, right? Because that's like the big thing right now is we're sort of in the middle of COVID season. Uh, <laughs> never, never ending. Um, oh, what yeah, do you yeah, look yeah. forward to the most about the restaurant industry getting back to... I think it's going to go back to the simplicity. I, you know, maybe I'm dating myself. I'm pushing 50. I turned 50 this year. So the old guy is always like simplicity to the point. And I think that's what it is. I mean, you got to be special. You have to be a special cook and a savvy businessman to open a high-end restaurant. You just do, right? With COVID lingering back, I mean, what's going to be the next one? Right? How many millions of dollars do you think uh, your canoes and your aloes and all these places are in debt currently? Hundreds of thousands of dollars. So I'm looking forward to a cleaner industry. I'm looking forward to uh, simpler cuisine, new stuff, right? I'm not, you know, simple is simple, but, you know, new things and cool things can come out of that. So I'm looking forward to new concepts. Um, cleaning up some of the dirt that the industry, you know, discrimination and, and sexism and all these things. I'm looking forward to that not being tolerated anymore because throughout COVID, you know, Black Lives Matter and Asian racism and all these things are in the forefront. So they're not going away. So uh, I want people to really uh, reinforce that and clean up some of the dark stereotypes that the industry currently has. You know, it's going to be an intense industry forever. But there's some just like grimy components of it, I think, that we can clean up. Yeah, and I think a, a big one for that, and you sort of said it too, is just having having kitchens and running kitchens and other people opening kitchens that make a safe place for female employees as well. Because I feel like, um, you know, through the years of coming up, it's like you just see that it's just okay to say certain things and make people uncomfortable. And when I was younger, I didn't know any better because... I didn't know any better. I just, I see all these older guys and I'm like, oh, wow, this is what this is like. And then you, then you, as you get older, you form your opinion. You're like, no, 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 this isn't the way. So, Absolutely I mean, not. it's good. I think that there's people that are trying to get, get ahead of this and be like, listen, guys, like this needs to stop. Cause we had this big thing in the city a few years ago, right? I'm not, we're not going to mention any restaurant yep. names, but, yep. um, and that just can't be tolerated at this point, right? No, no. Well, I, it should never have been, but I mean, let's, let's get her going here. Yeah. So, I have one last question for you. Um, I think this is <laughs> most of the time that we spend going back and forth over text message and <laughs> Instagram messenger is us. I love of, it. Me and your banter is like the is, highlight of my night after my daughter goes to bed. Uh, I got to tell you. It's about basketball, what's yeah. going on in the NBA. So my last question, uh, not industry related, so sorry, guys. Uh, who is the softest player in the NBA? And why is it Joel Embiid? <laughs> and now Nate's a big Sixers fan, so that's why we've got a loaded uh, well, question. We've had in-depth conversations about him, and uh, there's a lot of truth to his soft, goofy demeanor, right? I mean, obviously, he's having a phenomenal year. Yeah. Who is the softest player in the NBA? Wow. You know, that's out of all these questions I see here, this is the one I wish I've given some thought to prior Who's the softest player in the NBA? I am going to say Anthony Davis. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just yeah. because as talented as he is, 
you know, every time he he's just on the ground, flopping around. Even in the bubble, I really noticed that. And mentally, I don't think he's tough because it's like forty points, nine points, fifty points, twelve points. That's not. That's not. That's not strong to me on the mental. I don't think, and I think if it wasn't for LeBron, he can hang on LeBron and and ride his coattails and watch him. That's that's such. He a, would never win. It's so interesting mentioning anything mental now too, right? Because that that's another thing that's just that's at the forefront now too is like how important mental uh, mental health awareness is to people, right? And it's like athletes are no are no different than us, right? It's like it's that's a lot of pressure, right? Yep. So you got to be mentally strong and mentally tough. Yep. So yeah. It's uh, that's a good answer. I like it. Yeah, thank you. All right, so my turn. Yeah. All right, so Kyle McGlure, tell me where you where you're. Some of these things I don't even know. Where were you born? Talk about your interests as a kid, hobbies, first job. Give me like a five minute like birth to eighteen years old. Um, born in Brampton. Okay. Uh, I did a, know that. Sorry. You did know that. Yeah. Uh, to a very young mother. Yeah. Uh, raised mostly by my her, like her and my grandparents. Yeah. Which was pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just regular kid, yeah. not anything too anything too crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, played sports, baseball, hockey, little lacrosse, uh, whatever. What was your favorite sport? Uh, be as of say, like after the smoke cleared, what were you? What did you excel at? And you know, what would you say you enjoyed the most playing? I mean, before before the smoke cleared, I kind of had gotten one and a half feet in the culinary industry door mm. and i just like went straight forward for it right. so um so that was that was sort of it's just sort of took over for me and like i mean i love playing sports i love like i'm a huge sports oh, yeah. fan so yeah, it's me, like yeah. it's like i'm a maniac with yeah. sports yeah. um but i've just um i got a job when i was 16 as a dishwasher mm-hmm. um and sort of was doing that and I got lucky. My mom was a piano teacher, so she used to teach piano in the basement of my grandparents' house. Yeah. And two of the kids that used to come, uh, parents owned a restaurant. And it just so happened that in this little nowhere house in Brampton at the time, um, the guy who was the chef, like, did his apprenticeship at the Savoy in England, like, uh, was one of the was one of the original chefs at the Millcroft Inn. Wow. Worked, uh, I think it was called the fifty fourth floor, fifty second floor at the TD Tower, which is now Canoe, but like yeah. way way before that. Wow. Um, and he heard I was washing dishes and uh, at another restaurant, and he brought me in, and I started as a dishwasher there, and I was just like in, like put me in, um, <laughs> and all I wanted to do was I was a dishwasher. All I wanted to do was. Be the garmanger guy. Yeah. I was a garmanger guy. All I wanted to do was work on Tremetier. Yep. And this guy, his name is Peter Gosling, uh, still look up, like, to this day, uh, for everything that man ever did for me, it did not come easy. Like, I mean, I don't think, uh, I don't think, like, uh, Hell's Kitchen's real. I don't think Gordon Ramsay yells at people like that. But, man, Peter Gosling for all five foot three, 130. 40 pounds of him, that guy would let you have it. Yeah. And so that was sort of uh, my my welcome into the industry. That's funny because my chef, my mentor, Gary Hoyer, is like 5'4", same deal. Yeah. So uh, another thing we have in common, for sure. Um, and just like a, a killer, man. Like yeah. Just such a good chef. And like, I mean, and this was after having a successful restaurant for 
15, 20 years, mm-hmm. and he was still a killer. Yeah. Um, so That doesn't happen very often. Yeah, and so um, I got lucky enough to do that very young. Like, yeah. I wasn't even going to high school at one point. I was just working in kitchens. Um, and then I, I got lucky enough to go to the Millcroft Inn, which is, like, uh, it was a very big deal for me. Uh, it's been in the Michelin book for years. It yeah. doesn't actually have a star. Yeah, yeah. Um, but one of, like... Ontario's top institutions sure. for years and years. Yep. And I got to go there and do my apprenticeship again, very young, right around 17, 18. Yeah. So I was, I was pretty young, uh, getting, getting ran through in the, at the Millcroft Inn. Yeah. The I, bet. There. So, I bet you took some lumps for sure. Yeah. And yeah. I probably deserve them. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that was sort of the start for me. And, um, I knew right away. I like. I guess I'm easy. It was like when I met my wife. I just I, I knew right away. Uh, that's just a plug for her. If she yeah. Listening. Um, I knew right away. So like, it, it only took me getting promoted from dishwasher to garmanger to be like, oh yeah, no, this is what I'm doing. And uh, I was head down and looking at that. Which I mean, I guess you probably knew from you getting into when I started working with you. I was pretty. Yeah, no, you were, uh, I could tell, I mean, I just, I thought you were just a kid, but uh, you were far beyond, like, skill-wise and, and uh, composure-wise uh, than your years, and it all makes sense. I mean, you're working at the Millcroft at 16, you're going to be leaps and bounds over people who worked at Tim Hortons or what have you, right? I was just, it was almost like I was born in, born in the kitchen, Sounds right? Like, it, like yeah. it's just like, yeah. I just feel, I feel more comfortable there than anything, right? Yeah. And it, and I feel like that's helped me a lot over the years because I've got to move around a lot because mm-hmm. that was one thing that I did when I was younger too is after I did my two years at the Millcroft is I usually set myself a one-year a one-year mark yeah go somewhere for one year take what I can take from it go to the next place take what I can take from it and so being comfortable in a kitchen really helped me do that because um, whether it's true or not at least in my head I felt comfortable walking into those scenarios and situations yeah Crazy, good, and um, okay. Well, I, that's again some things. Uh, I'm enjoying this because I get to, I'm learning some other things. Although, so uh, 17 years probably I've known you now. Oh four Brampton Golf Club. Yeah, 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 yeah. Time flies, man. Um, okay, so again back to the sports. Do you do you find some correlation, some similarities to did, did playing sports at all prepare you for for the industry at all? I don't think so. I'm. One thing that I, as a sports fan, am yeah. am a fan of killers, like guys that have killer instinct, killer. Like, oh, I send you the Dame. I send you the Dame time. There we go. I knew, every I knew day, we right? couldn't get out through without so, you mentioning him. Yeah. So, but but you can mention that in any sport, yeah. right? Like, I those are the guys that I gravitate towards. Mm-hmm. I was not a killer in sports. I happy go lucky. I was competitive, but yeah. I just like to play and yeah. like whatever. In the kitchen, I'm different. Yeah. In the kitchen, I feel like I have that mentality a little bit more. Good. So, yeah, I think I'm sort of the opposite. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Because I always thought, like, I guess as, as, as stuff was going down the kitchen when, you know, we, we, things were, weren't going in my favor, I would just kind of, I guess this is my own way of just battling out of things where it's like, hey, compare it to some sports undesirables that I've been involved with, you know. So I think that was just sort of my way of co- uh, coping. But uh, no, interesting. It was reverse to that. That's beautiful. Um, so you answered the, actually those two questions with one stone. You were just like in it from 16. You knew yeah. you're in for the long haul. And you don't, and that's really rare. I don't, I mean, I haven't conducted a, a ton of interviews, formal interviews with, with chefs or colleagues. 
but you know, it's always been this roller coaster ride from a lot of people. I wasn't sure, second career, this and that. So it's refreshing to see someone that was committed to it from the get-go. So, well done. How would you describe your food, young man? I mean, I've changed so much. Um, I thought there was no such thing that wasn't fine dining. Yeah. I thought that everything that wasn't fine dining was beneath me. Yeah. I thought that I was going to run a restaurant that just did tasting menus and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> You couldn't pay me to work in one of those restaurants oh, God, right now. Yeah. Does, I don't. I couldn't even figure out the price um, that you would have to pay me to get me to do one of those. Yeah. Do I still do that type of food? Sure. Yeah. Yes, I do. But my style of food is home cooked food, or something that you would think is home cooked, right? Yeah. Like with classical techniques. It's mm -hmm. like when I go out to eat, I don't want to go eat at a fine dining Michelin service. I don't care to do that. That's not really my thing. It's not for me. I want to go to the place that looks like it's a hole in the wall that has somebody that's cooking food that they've been cooking their whole life because it means something to them and it tastes exactly the same way that their grandmother or their grandfather used to make it. So for me, I really um, like that traditional style, like comfort food cooking is really what I'm into. Mm -hmm. um, and it can be from anywhere in the world, yep. but I'm really right now focused on southern United States yep. food. Uh, things out of South Carolina, yep. probably my favorite of, uh, of flavors and food is uh, South Carolina. If somebody asks me what meal do you want to eat right now, my answer nine times out of ten will be uh, she crab soup, shrimp and grits. Just start, just start giving it to me. Yeah. Like that, that so like, um, and then um, obviously like I'm sort of really into like all like the Texas style, South Carolina um, style like barbecue, smoking, yep. that whole thing. Uh, so, uh, definitely really in on that, uh, but just comfort food of any type, as long as it's creative, right? Like I feel like something that I try to do is take something that's very traditional and home cooking and then you put a little bit of a spin on it, make it a little bit, uh, more interesting. And that's sort of where I'm at but right now. But still keeping its true identity. But still yeah. keeping its true identity yeah. and not making somebody that, that is used to that food and used to the tradition seeing it and being like, oh my God, what did he just do to this? Like, but just, just, just like some subtle takes or some subtle whatever. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, okay, so you touched on that with uh, the gentleman from the Millcroft, but uh, any other chefs you've admired? Uh, it could be in the industry, or it could be guys you just admired from books and television. Any chefs that jump out at you that help influence your food, your career? So I had Peter Gosling from Gosling's. Yeah. That was my guy yeah. when I was younger. Um, Jason Cox from Opus really opened another world for me. Yeah. Um, not because the food was amazing, even though it was. Yeah. Like, the probably... That and the Millcroft would have been, I would think, the best food that I had been around mm -hmm. in restaurants that I've worked. Mm -hmm. But that man and what that job entails and how he carried himself and how he did that job, like, you're getting killed six nights a week. The, it's an intense environment. It's a small team. Yeah. And when it's time to break down, he's on his hands and knees on the floor, scrubbing the floor, scrubbing the grills. Yeah. He's in the trenches with you the whole time. Mm -hmm. And he's been doing it for years. Yeah. So he, is he I, still there? He is still there. Wow. And like, he's still just doing it. And it's like, I couldn't, I don't, I couldn't be a part of that world. Like, yeah. I have to give it to him. I, he really. I think if you remove him from that world, it would be just like. Uh, yeah, he might not be able to handle it. Yeah. Might, yeah. Um, and I mean, uh, so I, I, I took a lot from him and try to, try to remember how much I respected him as a chef for doing those things. So I never slip into, to not being like that. Yep. Um, and I mean, 
especially in the last like two or three years, I mean, you're the guy that I'm text messaging and mm-hmm. calling and asking for advice. Yeah. So you're actually, uh, and again, not supposed to be a fluff session at no. all, but I mean, um, as far as like fatherly, uh, somebody I look up to advice in the restaurant industry and somebody that I really respect opinion right now, it's really you. You're the main guy that I bounce ideas off yeah. of ask ask questions so yeah well i appreciate that you know i, I, we, I always used to be uh sarcastic and said you were the the, the son that i never wanted right but uh, now that i have a child and, and got to know you you know they're they don't come any realer than you kyle so i just wanted to let you know that oh, that's really you. important man you're a real real legit dude so uh, i want to let you know that um so no international guys no cookbook guys you like well, Slumbered I mean, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna, like, I'm, I'm a big Sean Brock guy. Like, yeah. love the food, love what he's doing. You've eaten at his places in down south. I'm yeah, assuming, yeah. I, I got to eat at Husk, really, really great. Yeah, uh, I like Chris Constantino's. I got to eat at his place, Jackrabbit mm-hmm. in Portland. Yeah, really, really good. Uh, Portland's an amazing food destination, man. Yeah, I, I love it. Good south Carolina is both places, man. Yeah. I can't get it. Well, I got South Carolina tattooed on my hand. That's how much I love it there. So, okay, I Noted. mean, really, really, uh Really great, uh, really great food, really great chefs, really great scene. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I, I look up to those guys. But I won't remember his name, but the guy that we've been flipping back and forth off Instagram, the dude from oh, the, yeah, the fish guy. Josh Neeland, man. What an assassin that guy is, eh? Woo! I tell my, like, if, if you were to say where, if you're, I'm going to, I'm going to propose another question here. If you ask me where I would want to stage anywhere in the world, and that's a pretty, like, vast ocean of awesomeness i would go stage at his place yeah uh, that's a peter what is, he got some gnarly name peter i think his, his last name is with an m no josh Nealon, oh, but josh his his Neelan. restaurant is like some weird oh, wacky it sounds like some okay. child uh child storybook but i don't I, even know his name i just keep josh looking Neelan. at his i just oh, keep looking at his food and i'm like oh this guy like, did you see that wellington insanity that he did amazing just, yeah yeah he's special so yeah um, super special so um, um i don't remember the chef's name too but another guy that i've i've I say that I followed his story and I can't remember his name is uh, the dude from uh, North Carolina that won the James Beard. Uh, He was on that season of Barbecue Chefs. That guy's, that's a really great story, man. And so I follow him a little bit and he's doing really well. And I love those stories, man. Guys that came from nothing. That guy was slanging and barbecue out of his parents' gas station in the middle of nowhere. And now he has two, I think two James Beard awards. Maybe it's just, maybe it's just one, but like that's... That's incredible. No, there's not. There's not a nothing better to hear people grinding and gutting it out. Prime example: we never started our career paths have had rocky roads as they all have. But to to see people again, you know what you've built here. um, You know the 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 top of you, the pinnacle of 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 the industry. You're out there, and um, and just to see people who've had to grind it out. Uh, being successful is is always great to see. You know, it always warms my heart to see that for sure. Uh, chef, so we love stories. Do you have a quick uh, story, good or bad, that you'd like to share? That something really funny, but it wasn't funny at the time that happened. Anything off the top of your head? Oh, geez, <laughs> I, I'm sure I have a bunch of them. I yeah. Just, um... We don't have to name establishments. We don't have to name people. But any sort of things that maybe you learn from that you you know you're not going to make the same mistakes twice. I'm yeah I'm drawing a total okay. blank we here. We can come so back that's, to that. Yeah. Um, so what's your vision for the industry? Similar to what you asked me post COVID, um, 
What do you think, to do, go even further, what do you think, what concepts are going to flourish? What direction do you think it's going to go in? Well, I think that if you have the stomach for it and you have um, the will to do it, I think once COVID's over, um, you can really grind yourself into some good opportunities. Like if, you, if you're not afraid of working and you're not afraid to put yourself out there, I think that unfortunately because probably there was a lot of industry casualties because of COVID that you could get yourself in and really uh, sort of push forward. Um, I think that um, things like restaurants that are more designed around takeout and counter service and mm-hmm. things like that, I think those those are interesting to oh, me. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, and, uh, and, and sort of like, I mean, I might just think this because it's what I want to do, but uh, I think that just more uh, subtle, home-cooked comfort food, I think that's going to be things that make you feel good. Guaranteed. Uh, I think that's what's going to be uh, a big hitter. Uh, like, obviously, people are going to be chomping at the bit to go out because everybody's been going squirrely, stuck in their house with their kids and mm. all that sort of <laughs> stuff. But I think, uh, yeah. I um, I yeah, I, I, I agree full on with that. I met a guy the other day who's actually selling takeout kitchens, all one units. You know, like those bathtubs that snap in? It's like, here's your snap-in kitchen for a takeout establishment, and he's selling it as a whole unit. He's got a, a chef to train uh, you had to work it and everything like that. So I said, and this guy is business genius. So I think uh, it's going to be successful. And, and, he, and he established it like a year ago. I mean, we're awesome. already a year in, right? Awesome. So he phoned me in May, asked me if I wanted to be the chef. He already knows I'm, what my job is, but he's that type of businessman to think he could like he pull me out. Hey, over, yeah. you, know, you know, we're going to, you know, I'm like, no, sorry, I'm not leaving my job. But uh, I yeah. was just like, yeah, that's going to, that's going to work. Maybe not going to do huge numbers, but I think he just ran with that idea at the right time, and, and I really see a lot of potential from that. That's great. I think, too, like, um, and then this goes into, I guess, like a greedy, shameless plug for me, is like um, pop-ups, outdoor stuff, festivals. Um, I just like, I think there's going to be a lot of places that have kitchens that are going to be afraid to put the investment into kitchens because yeah. they're a money pit, let's be honest, right? Yeah. Um, on, the, on your best day, not your, in like potential yeah. pandemics it, strolling through. That's right. Yeah. So, I mean, me and a, a very, very close friend of mine, uh, obviously through the industry, one of the best cooks, chefs I've ever met, uh, one of the best friends I've ever had, uh, just started uh, Southern Crown Caribbean Smokehouse. Yeah. Uh, just doing the pop-up circuit. Yeah. Uh, Pop-ups are great. It's it's a blast. It's uh, ironing out the wrinkles. It's uh, it's a beautiful thing, and uh, I I look forward to you know doing them in the future. But uh, anybody's like, hey, pop up, pop ups. I'm like, yes, do it. You might fall on your face. Yeah, you oh, might. Not you. I'm talking like, I got gotcha. you. Students. Hey, chef, I want to do a pop up. I'm like, yeah, go on, do it, right? And uh, I mean, I give them the tips on how I got screwed or. Some things that, you know, I've done a half dozen of them and, you know, each one gets better and smoother. So um, it's a great training ground. And that's how it all started, die low. And that's sure. how it started, right? right? So, I mean, yeah. That's Ludo too. That's what Ludo Bites was, I yeah, believe. It was yeah. all based off of pop-ups. Yeah. Look at him now. He's a celebrity. Yeah. So I guess, uh, I mean, yeah. 
So let's 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 plug let's plug here for the last yeah, little bit. So, so I let's mean, hear about. I mean, Southern Crown. I just like the ring of it. I think you bounced some other names off of me. Yeah, and we, it we just had a that bunch. one just went bing. The light went off, and I'm like, that works. And then you send me the logo. I'm like, damn, that works. I the thing with the name is we were stressing about the name, which is, I think it's a little silly because I think as time goes on, the name matters a little bit less. You put more emphasis on it at the beginning. And me and Barry were sitting in the office and we were just drawing blanks and we were getting frustrated and we were giving up. And for some reason, we started talking about, we were, you know, shit talking each other, making fun of each other. You? I, I, I'm so, shocked to yeah. hear that. And something came up about going to church and uh, about his parents. And I said to him, I'm like, oh, yeah. And I'm like, does your mom still wear that Southern crown? Or, sorry, not that Southern crown. Uh, Sunday crown, right? Because, yeah. you know, women back in the day oh, used to yeah. wear the crowns to church, the big crowns. Yeah. Um, and as soon as he, as soon as I said it, he went to say, I'm like, no, shut up for a second. And I typed Southern crown in the computer and I was like, you know what? This might be, and it sort of just came from that. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're super excited about it. It's a mix of Southern food uh, and uh, Jamaican Caribbean food. Yeah. He's a phenomenal Caribbean chef. We'd be ridiculous to not yeah. play to that strength. Yeah. I think that they kind of go together they good. Do, yeah. It, um, so, we're going to be doing that pop ups catering. Please uh, follow us at Southern underscore uh, Crown underscore Smokehouse on Instagram. Hit me up with those follows. We're going to get good videos, uh, lots of tips on cooking, yep. uh, lots of good content. We're going to start a series, uh, Southern, uh, not Southern versus Caribbean, but Southern or Caribbean, and we're going to take the same protein. He's going to do a Caribbean style. I'm going to do it Southern style. And we're going to have you guys vote on That's it. That's dope. I we're like that. We're going to do some fun stuff. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot. It'll be very competitive because me and Barry uh, hate each other. So we definitely want to beat each other. Um, so That's a good That's a good team dynamics though. Oh, yeah. You know. Yeah, we'll push each other for sure. Yeah. And I, I know that he definitely uh, will take any opportunity he can to, to shit talk me. So Yeah. Yeah. So it's good. So do I, though, right? Yeah, that's true. So you have any pluggers, or is it just go to George Brown College for now? Yeah, I mean, we are, uh, I mean, we're we're the, the oldest, the biggest, the baddest, whatever you want to say. A lot of things uh, are changing, for sure. Um, so I think now is the time, you know, if you've got any sort of inclination or any desire to pursue cooking, like now is the time because by the time you graduate or by the time you're going to hit your co-op externship, things will be in full swing. And, and, and I tell the students now, like teaching online cooking, like give me a break, right? Obviously yeah. far from ideal. Sure. But I'm telling them the light at the tunnel is bigger and brighter than I will or you or anybody will ever see, right? There's never going to be an explosion like there's going to be. I mean, call me a fool, call me overly optimistic, but people got to eat right and right. as soon as the patio opens up regardless of the quality of food people are out there in droves that's right right so people are going to uh come out in droves and i think the timing of your southern crown is is really going to reap the benefits of that the pop-ups iron out the wrinkles you know you've got your identity but you know fine-tune it so whenever you get to that the finish line and you're yeah. gonna turn the key to whatever spot you guys roll up on I mean, man, oh man, your guys are going to be in perfect time. And that's what I tell all my students. Now is the perfect time. And like learning to cook now, right? You just said there isn't a better time. Well, I think part of that is the access to knowledge now. When I was younger, I couldn't look oh, up 
uh, a Malcolm Reed video on how to barbecue, how to barbecue right, or yeah. I couldn't look up so and so Top Chef showing it. Like, I mean, when you're younger, up in the industry, now you all you have to do is watch some shows, watch yeah. some video, and it's the access to that is. Just you can so... go home, so you're working, you're working, you're banging it out at at work. And then you could go home and, and align what you've learned or what your vision is to YouTube or whatever. It's brilliant. I always make the joke at school. I'm like, when I was in school, cookbooks were in scrolls in the students. Yeah, yuck it up, right? But yeah, that's it. I, I mean, if you've got the passion and the desire to go in this industry right now, uh, I mean, the, the, the outlets are just unlimited, man. Unlimited. Yeah. So... Um, well, that was pretty damn good, man. Yeah, I think it was fun, right? I think, uh, you know, once we get... Some more exciting people in outside of yourself and myself. Yeah. We're all right. We're all we're right. All right I'm looking forward to getting obscure people in there, people who've got, you know, 400 followers on Instagram and they're just building whatever their passion is. Um, I'm really looking forward to that. And I think that uh, that should be our identity is to real grassroots. I mean, we're not going to pull any punches. Oh, that's right. You know? Yeah. And, um, yeah. yeah, it should be a good time. Uh, interesting guest for everybody. So, yeah. Yep. Uh, I guess so th- from Nathan and I, thank you, everybody that's listening. Please uh, please subscribe. Can I date myself? Uh, Can I say raise the roof? Yeah. I'm old as dirt, so I'm allowed to. But uh, thanks, Kyle, for bringing me on to this. I'm totally stoked. Uh, you and, and the crew at Vantage uh, making me a part of this. Get me out of my comfort zone, right? Something new. Yeah, it's and, uh, you know, uh, just because, uh, you know, you feel like you've, you've leveled off as in your career just jump out and do something different man should be fun and we're gonna have a lot of people in here i think we're gonna learn a lot a lot from and it's gonna be a lot of fun uh so thanks again everybody uh please subscribe download all that good stuff so we can do this uh if you're on apple that five-star review we need that we need that peace out thank you very much